Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. You've called your assessment of COVID-19 terra incognita. When we look at the business implications of this, it's uh, quite clear that the first half of this year is uh, going to be the worst first half in the history of the luxury goods industry. Are we ending up in a similar situation 
we were in back in 2008 when there was all of this product on the market and it led to radical deep discounting. Many of the companies have decided to, to close down their manufacturing activities and also potentially to skip a season altogether. Hello, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to a very special episode of the BOF podcast, part of our series to bring you information, analysis, and expertise from some of our favorite thinkers around the world as an industry try to navigate the coronavirus pandemic, which is first and foremost a human story, but which is also an economic story, which is having grave impact on our industry all around the world. This week, I speak to Luca Solka of Bernstein, who's been a columnist at BOF for many, many years now. Luca's letters have become go-to resources for people trying to understand the financial and market analysis of our industry. And there's no one better to speak to now to understand how this is going to change the way companies are thinking about this year in fashion as the changes all around us are unfolding. Will we need to skip a season? What happens to luxury e-commerce? What's the impact of many, many stores, first in China, now in Europe and North America, all closing down? We get all of the latest information and analysis from Luca on this week's episode. So here's Luca Solka, Inside Fashion. Good morning, Luca. How are you today? Good morning, Imran. I'm, I'm well. How are you? I'm okay. I'm sitting here at my uh, dining room table uh, along with a bunch of papers trying to like make do uh, with this new working situation. I, I see you're at home as well. Yes, I'm in my second bedroom, which doubles up as uh, my study. And uh, so I work uh, from home uh, to two. And I've been working from home for a, for a while, but uh, the fact that I'm just staying at home and not traveling to see clients is uh, something completely new. So I'm getting used to this new routine. Yes, I think we all are. Um, how are things in Switzerland at the moment? I mean, this is a global pandemic and every country has its own story. Um, what's the situation like in Switzerland? It's very similar to what uh, was decided in Italy. Switzerland has locked down. Uh, in fact, if you look at Switzerland, in terms of COVID-19 cases per uh, 100,000 inhabitants, it's the second uh, country among the large countries after Italy uh, in terms of having the highest number of infections. So the situation is serious and people could only, could, could only go out in order to do their shopping or in terms of food and uh, pharmacy and only to go to work. But other than that, restaurants, hotels, a lot of the shops are just closed. Right. Um, well, it's similar situation here in London. I, you know, there's rumors that they're going to be uh, locking the city down shortly. Um, the uh, epidemic uh, and the spread of the disease seems to be more acute here in, in London than in the rest of the UK. So we're all expecting very shortly that um, we'll be limited. Um, but most of us aren't really going outside, to be honest, only to get groceries or do uh, important things. That's just the responsible thing to do, it seems, so that we can flatten the curve, as everyone's talking about. 
Yes, absolutely. We're doing the same. We haven't gone out for a while and, uh, and we're trying to be as prudent as we possibly can. Well, Luca, the, you know, this is first and foremost a human story, but um, there's also a big business story breaking in, you know, in real time, actually, uh, all around us. And as one of the, our trusted columnists and a regular collaborator with BOF, I'm really grateful to have your point of view today on you know, how this is impacting and will continue to impact the luxury industry. Um, I was reading the report you put out yesterday, and um, you've called your assessment of COVID-19 terra incognita. And I'd just love for you to give me a, a sense of why um, this is terra incognita, unknown land or unknown terrain for us as we, as we go ahead. I think we've never seen anything like this, luckily, at least not in our lifetime. Uh, the last time the world knew a pandemic uh, was in 1918, so my great-grandmother died back then, but uh, none of us has a memory of that. So being in lockdown and not being able to go out uh, is uh, very extreme, uh, very extreme experiences that we're going through. Uh, possibly there was a part of the world that had experienced something like that during 2003 at the peak of the SARS epidemics in Hong Kong, but that uh, is uh, limited and uh, to, to a specific geography. We're now having this on a global scale, which makes it uh, a terra incognita, if you, if you like. Now, when we look at the business implications of this, it's uh, quite clear that, uh, uh, at least from what we anticipate, that the first half of this year is uh, going to be the worst first half in the history of the luxury goods industry uh, and by some margin. Because on the one hand, we have Chinese consumers uh, being sharply down in the first quarter and probably still down in the second quarter as well. And at the same time, we have the Europeans and the Americans uh, down uh, quite significantly in the second quarter, starting from the month of March, so a bit of the first quarter as well. Uh, add to that the oil price plummeting and the Middle Eastern consumers also probably going to be on the back foot. And that seems very much like a perfect storm. It is a perfect storm. And if you add in a couple of other elements as well on the supply side, insofar as probably two of the most important manufacturing centers or hubs for our industry in Italy and in China being dislocated and disrupted at this time too. It means that even if the demand comes back at some stage, you know, how we get supply chains back into perfect, smooth, just-in-time uh, delivery, that's also in question. Yes, I think you're right. And uh, that was uh, initially a very big concern, especially as a lot of the luxury goods and fashion manufacturing activity, at least in the high end, is carried out in Italy. Uh, the more I see, uh, the more I think that, that this potential supply crisis is quickly transforming into a demand crisis. You know, when most of your stores in Europe and in America are closed, 
you don't need uh, that very many products to sell because you're selling close to zero. So uh, I expect that uh, the fact that uh, the top line is so sharply down mitigates uh, sourcing and logistics uh, uh, challenges. The other thing is, uh, in contrast to what the Chinese have decided, uh, the European governments have uh, invented a very special form of lockdown. Uh, you're locked down, but you can still go out and go to work. Uh, and I think this is a compromise attempt to try on the one hand to flatten the curve, as you were saying, but also to safeguard at least to some extent economic activity. We will see whether there's a price to pay for that in terms of taking more time to uh, curb the epidemic spread. But on the positive side of this, you could argue that uh, most companies are still operational, uh, at least if they're out of the eye of the storm. If I look at eyewear, for example, in Northeast Italy, if I look at leather goods in Tuscany, I see that, that those uh, companies are still operational. What they're faced with, though, is huge order cancellations because the big brands uh, are not selling. And that was kind of brings me to my next point is that even if the supply chains do manage to, you know, pump out products at the same rates as they were before, the question is, are we ending up in a similar situation we were in back in 2008 when there was all of this product on the market? And it led to radical deep discounting that started in the American department stores, which were already challenged, even more challenged today. And then it kind of spread like its own contagion all around the world in this kind of global e-commerce environment we have, where prices are compared so easily, um, the contagion of deep discounting could spread as quickly as, as the disease. Uh, this concern is very much a front mind uh, in all of the luxury goods and fashion companies. So I think that uh, many of the companies have decided to, to close down uh, their manufacturing activities and to uh, reduce third uh, party suppliers' orders and also potentially to skip a season altogether. Uh, they all want to reduce at all costs to end up in the same place as uh, you described. So seeing uh, prices slashed uh, in the same vein as in 2008-2009 would be uh, incredibly damaging in, uh, in the era of digital distribution and multi-brand uh, distribution platforms. So as you're not selling, uh, I think uh, what companies are doing is that uh, they're cutting as much as possible their sourcing uh, and possibly this will come at the cost of having to ramp up faster in the second half of the year, provided we can put this problem behind our shoulders. So to be clear, I, I mean, I've heard talk of skipping a season, but to, to, to better understand what you mean, do you mean that the collections that were just shown in Milan and in Paris and, and New York and London will simply not be produced? There's a probability that that is uh, the case. Uh, you know, with the, the fashion calendar being uh, sort of uh, 12 months ahead, uh, 
uh, it is possible that those uh, seasons uh, or those those styles that we've seen in Milan and in Paris uh, will finally find buyers because by that time uh, things will be going back to normal. At least I very much hope so. Uh, but uh, when it comes to the uh, previous uh, production, so when we come when it comes to what we saw in September last year. Uh, I wonder uh, how much of that uh, could be potentially stopped because you, you don't really need uh, that product. You don't really need that product in the stores at the moment. But Luca, wouldn't that have product have been ordered? The materials would have been ordered, manufactured. Isn't that product, you know, in a way set to be shipped out fairly shortly? And isn't, isn't it maybe too late? for us to skip that season if the product has already been manufactured? I think that when it comes to fashion, you're right. Yeah. So I, I, I guess we'll have to see. Every, every company seems to be coming up with their own strategies. I, I did want to turn to some specific cases here because it's one thing to talk about this in theory. It's very much another thing to start looking at some of the numbers that are coming out from some of the big players this morning. Burberry sent out an update, which I think was very alarming, if that's going to be an indicator of what we're going to see uh, from some of the other players. I think they you know, projected that you know, sales could be a down as much as 30, 40, 50 percent in, in this time period. What, what's your take on the, the report that Burberry put out this morning? I think that when it comes to the uh, fourth uh, quarter that they report. Remember, they have a year end at the end of March, so it's the first calendar quarter. Uh, they're clearly seeing a double whammy. On the one hand, they experience in this quarter, like everyone else, a very significant drop in Chinese demand globally. I mean, I'm looking at the demand by nationality, not so much at the demand by, by geography. So say that uh, Chinese demand is down 50%, in this uh, first calendar quarter, say that European and American demand is down by another 15 to 20%. When you take into account that the Middle Eastern demand is also going to be down, you end up with uh, a decline that is possibly going to be in the region of 30% when you combine all of these nationalities together. So. It's not very surprising that they indicate that this could potentially be the range that they report. I think this was uh, to be expected to, uh, to, a, to a large extent. I think the question is how long this will last and uh, the duration at this point becomes a very important uh, factor in deciding uh, what to do if you are managing a company like this? Are you anticipating that this will last for a very long time? Now, my understanding is that uh, the expectation is that the lockdown in the West will last uh, approximately two months. If we look at what happened in Hubei, it will be a matter of debate to see whether two months are enough to curb the epidemic spread, knowing that uh, our own Western uh, approach to the lockdown has been more liberal, and therefore it could lead to the epidemic spreading faster. Maybe we will need more time uh, to curb the epidemic, which means that uh, the expectations on the second quarter would have to be more muted at the moment. 
we expect both quarters to be faced with a 25 to 30% headwind. Uh, but uh, if the lockdown lasts longer, uh, then uh, the decline is going to be sharper. And uh, Burberry will be uh, reporting, like everybody else, uh, another very difficult set of numbers at uh, the end of the uh, second calendar quarter. What do you make, Luca, of the news that came from Prada this week? You know, it's a company that's been working on a turnaround for quite some time now. They've been working on reducing their wholesale dependency. Uh, they've been improving their digital fluency. And in any other period, that would have probably been seen as a very um, encouraging update. In, the, in light of what's going on now, what, what does that do for Prada? I mean, how does, is Prada impacted even more than some of these other players? I, I found that the update was quite encouraging. I was uh, comforted by the fact that uh, uh, the full price organic growth has continued to increase and uh, they reported mid-teens uh, full price uh, organic growth, which I thought was uh, a very punchy number and certainly a progression we hadn't seen for five years at Prada. I think that they have indeed, as, as you say, done a number of uh, uh, right steps and appropriate steps, uh, becoming more digitally minded, uh, updating and upgrading their merchandising, going back to nylon, uh, broadening the number of styles they have in leather goods, and importantly, also beefing up their creative uh, capabilities. The uh, jury's out on whether Ralph Simmons and uh, Mutual Prada will be getting along with each other, but uh, I think the fact that uh, uh, new creative talent was recruited is certainly a positive. Now, for sure, uh, COVID-19 uh, puts a pause on that. I, I don't necessarily think that this is going to be derailing the progress that Prada was making. Actually, one of the thoughts I have in my mind is that uh, once we're out of this nightmare, we'll have to deal with the aftermath that COVID-19 has uh, brought us. And when we think of the thousands, if not tens of thousands of casualties, maybe uh, at that point, we will be in a different zeitgeist. We will be in a different uh, a spirit of the time with uh, more focus on uh, uh, subdued and minimalist aesthetics and uh, less of an emphasis on uh, in-your-face extroverted aesthetics as we've seen in, in recent years. So uh, maybe this is going to play in the hands of the likes of Prada, Hermes, Lorubiana, and, uh, and a bit less in uh, the hands of those brands that have made the most of the uh, maximalist era that is probably going to uh, draw to a close. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Isn't it interesting how we go through these cycles where the economy is, you know, chugging along and the fashion industry starts decorating its clothes more and more and more. And then when we hit a recession or a disruption like this, all of a sudden, all of that kind of goes away. It happened in 2008 with the Phoebe Philo reign at Celine, which began around the same time. And and now a, a brand that seems very well positioned to take this, this wave of minimalism is Bottega Veneta, which is, has, has been showing some great strength in recent months. I totally agree. I think uh, Bottega Veneta has produced a fantastic uh, turnaround. Kudos to Daniel Lee. Uh, the reinterpretation of the Intrachato has been uh, particularly brilliant. It works very well in footwear. I think it's uh, starting to work in handbags as well, and indeed, uh, their brand DNA and their approach to style should resonate very well uh, with uh, the new 
uh, market uh, and consumer sensitivities. I, I think that what you say is very correct. I think that this shows that uh, the industry is uh, in touch with society and that uh, fashion in particular and the creative uh, efforts are in sync with what people feel and experience. Uh, I also think that uh, the best in class companies are uh, changing uh, what they do in terms of actions and communication to be even more in sync with society. I was asked uh, how should uh, brands communicate at, at this time and I think what uh, LVMH has decided to do, transforming uh, their fragrances factories to produce hand sanitizer, and what Montclair has decided to do, committing 10 million euros uh, to uh, creating a temporary hospital in Milan to take care of uh, intensive care uh, patients uh, are both great ways to communicate, uh, to be center stage and to do the right thing at the right time. Indeed. One thing you and I haven't touched on yet, which I'm really curious to, to get your take on, is the impact on e-commerce. Um, I've been seeing lots of different theories about what's going to happen to e-commerce. On the one hand, all of us are sitting in front of our screens all day long, so maybe that's going to induce more purchasing online. Um, on the other hand, we're all staring at our screens all day long. We don't want to look at our screens anymore, and we're focused on buying like essential things like toilet paper and um, hand sanitizer and antibacterial wipes. So it, what's, your, what's your take? I know there's no crystal ball here, but how do you see consumer behavior playing out as it pertains to online shopping in luxury? I set the alarm clock at 6 a.m. this morning to try and find a slot to get my groceries delivered by Cobb Suisse. So <laughs> I very much resonate to your point. Uh, I do think that, uh, on a more serious note, I do think that uh, what is going on is going to accelerate the distribution channel shifts that we've seen in, in recent years. I do expect that, as you were saying before, in order to avoid a carnage and a bloodbath, brands will reduce even further uh, their exposure to wholesale in the grey market. And at the same time, consumers will step up uh, their purchases online. Remember, we have a prediction out there that by 2025, digital should be between 20 and 25 percent. This is probably a situation where we get a step up in uh, digital and uh, online uh, purchases. And I think that uh, the experience of using the internet, well, you know, in the short term, people will be very happy to go out again and to go to the stores. But I believe that uh, the habit will remain and the experience and the convenience of buying online is going to be more and more uh, embraced by consumers and, uh, and will increase. Are you more bullish now on companies like Farfetch, which in recent months you've been a bit you know, less uh, excited about some of the decisions made there strategically, but because they're so firmly uh, positioned in this kind of global e-commerce race in luxury, do you think it? You know, they may benefit from it. I think that they could. I think that they could, and indeed, we should be seeing a couple of important positives for Farfetch. On the one hand, 
the fact that consumers are clearly uh, moving their shopping online and what Amazon is doing is a clear indicator that uh, this is uh, happening big time. And the other thing is that Farfetch has been using multi-brand boutiques in order to uh, source products uh, with a very significant take rate and in order to help uh, foot uh, the uh, promotion spend and uh, the discounting that has been supporting traffic for the platform. At this time, with the multi-brand boutiques in Italy having a lot on their hands because uh, their grey market counterparts in China cancelled their orders in the early part of the year and then now they have their own stores in Italy closed down. I expect that Farfetch is going to find uh, very uh, cheap and very convenient and very abundant uh, sourcing from those people. Interesting. You know, one company I've been thinking about a little is Chanel, which I know is not a public company, so you don't necessarily cover it. Um, but Chanel is a company that has explicitly been one of the most resistant uh, luxury companies to to think about e-commerce and even as it stands they don't sell ready to wear or um, accessories online I think they do some in beauty they've done a, a new partnership with Farfetch recently but what what happens to a company like Chanel you know if, if all the stores are closed all around the world for extended periods of time and they don't have an e-commerce operation I mean this this for them is like you know worst case scenario I'd agree. I, I think that uh, big brands like Chanel, like Vuitton, like Gucci, like Hermes are in a position to drive traffic on the internet big time. So my idea is that the best possible approach for them would be to prioritize uh, brand.com or brand.cn distribution. So monobrand digital distribution. I think that there's no damage to the brand equity if you do so. The damage would come if you're exposed to wholesale. And at one point, uh, you find as consumers uh, price disconnects because you find that uh, the monobrand website is selling at $100, what you find uh, on Amazon, Farfetch, or Chrono24 at 70 That is clearly damaging. But if you have direct... Uh, distribution in the physical world, this will not happen. So I think that brands like Vuitton, uh, like Hermes, and like Gucci, that have developed very strong monobrand digital distribution, uh, are doing the right thing. And I expect that Chanel down the road will have to do the same. I mean, this could be the thing that finally tips them over and makes them go e-commerce. I know they've been working on something for a while, but you know, the as you said, you know, these exceptional circumstances could result in um, kind of pushing the industry further along this innovation curve that you know, so many companies have been resistant to take. Yes, absolutely. You're right. And let me be cynical a bit. If you're a senior manager and you did the wrong thing, you now have an excuse to do the right thing and correct your mistakes. Indeed. Okay, so so Liko, let's look ahead here. I mean, I've been following your research over the past uh, few months since the coronavirus uh, first emerged in China. And initially, you had come out with a scenario called uh, prepare for a gap year um, or factoring 
in a global pandemic. Uh, more recently, you've added two other scenarios, which is called summer brings no respite and number four, a, a global recession. I think it's fair to say this is now clearly going to be uh, worse than a gap year. So can you walk me through your other scenarios as to like for, for business leaders, big and small, who are trying to think through what might happen and how they can plan their businesses and operations around this? Like, How should we be thinking through the various scenarios ahead of us? Absolutely. I think that there's two dimensions that uh, uh, are driving these scenarios. The first dimension is no longer a question, and it was related to whether the epidemic would stay confined largely in China or would rather uh, transform into a global pandemic. Uh, this uh, bridge has been crossed. We have a global pandemic on our hands, so for sure, this is not going to be just a gap year. Uh, it's going to be worse than that. Now, what drives the remaining three scenarios is uh, your assumptions about the duration of the downturn and the reduction in terms of uh, uh, consumer demand. In what we uh, currently have, uh, the duration is limited to the first half. And then, slowly but surely, uh, we have uh, a recovery in the second half, starting with Chinese consumers, and then over 2021, expanding to European and American consumers as well. In uh, the uh, two scenarios, uh, summer brings the respite and uh, uh, facing a global recession, uh, this decline in uh, uh, demand is expanded uh, respectively in the second half of 2020 and to the first half of 2021 as well. Uh, we, we don't know yet that that is uh, necessarily the right assumption. The initial signs actually, when we talk to people on the ground, when we talk to the Pradas of this world, is that the Chinese consumers are actually coming back. And as we track uh, how China is getting back to work, we seem to recognize the same resilience uh, in Chinese consumer behavior that has been a trademark of uh, Chinese uh, in, uh, in, in, in the most recent years. So uh, that is somewhat encouraging, but uh, there's a clearly a number of unknowns, the most important of which I think is whether uh, the efforts in the West are going to be as effective as in Asia in curbing uh, the epidemic spread. And beyond that, when are we going to see finally an announcement that a therapy and a vaccine are found? Is that the only solution to get us out of this kind of uh, mess, Luca? Is that there's a vaccine or some kind of medical treatment that's discovered that's gonna start building confidence in the market again? I think that uh, uh, this factor could indeed uh, change the shape of the recovery. So let me let me explain. If a therapy is uh, is announced, if a vaccine is discovered, then we get out of this nightmare from the front door. And we can imagine consumers going back to life as if in a post-war 
situation, the war is over, the risk is over, and we can go and live our life again. And I expect on the back of that a great deal of euphoria. If, by contrast, the risk is still out there and you still have to use precautions because uh, we managed to suppress the epidemic, but we didn't manage to vanquish uh, the threat that COVID-19 could bring, which is more or less what we have in China at the moment. I mean, people still need to be cautious. The government still needs to impose a quarantine on uh, uh, tourists and travelers coming to China. Then I think the shape of the recovery is going to be more subdued, and consumers will stay on their tiptoes, uh, on their toes. If you see, if you see what I mean. I do, and I guess one of the dangers is, at least the way I see it, is that the short-term uncertainty around uh, how long this will last, and the immediate-term you know, drop in spending, not just in our industry here, but across travel, hospitality, tourism, and other discretionary spend, if all of that plummets really quickly and for an extended period of time, it throws us into this scenario of a, a deep global recession because so many people will be laid off. And uh, even if you have the solution of a vaccine, I think it could take some time for the economy to kick back into gear if there's been rounds and rounds of, of layoffs. That is certainly uh, a very tangible risk. And I think that that is also the reason why the central banks this time over and the, the governments are uh, very much on the front foot. What uh, President Trump has announced, what the Fed has announced, and what the ECB has finally been uh, brought to announce uh, is a sign that uh, this is a very sizable threat for the global economy. Uh, we have to do everything we can to avoid structural damage to the economic fabric and, this, and, and the fabric of our societies. If we do that, then this is just, you know, a pause. Uh, and we have to avoid that good companies go bankrupt just because we have to stop everything to get rid of COVID-19. But that will cost money and uh, we need that the central banks and the governments are all coordinated to provide that money. And uh, this is what is happening. So that's why I think that uh, things are not necessarily going for a doom loop. Okay. Well, Luca, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time. I'm sure you have a thousand other things to do right now with all the movements in the markets um, in, the, in the days. Um, that have come before and the days that are to come now. Uh, we are really grateful, as always, to have your perspective. And I'm hoping that we will find a way through this as an industry. I'm, I think the, the analysis that you've laid out is really helpful. So thank you for your time today. And uh, keep us posted with all of your brilliant, incisive reports. We'll be looking for them to help us guide the industry through this period of uncertainty. Thank you, Imran. Uh, I was delighted to share ideas with you and congratulations on your work. I look forward to seeing you in person in London and to be able to go to a pub and celebrate. Yes, I look forward to a euphoric post-vaccine discovery celebration. Uh, that's all for this very special episode of the Inside Fashion podcast. 
here on VOF. These are uncertain times, so we are bringing you a regular series of conversations with our favorite experts from all around the world to help you and your colleagues and the industry at large navigate these uncertain times. If you have feedback for us, please send your ideas through on social media. Please leave us a comment on this article on the website, and please leave us reviews on your favorite podcasting platform. This is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. I'm signing off from my dining room table, and I wish you all a good week and stay safe and wash those hands, everybody. Stay home. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, biannual special print editions, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.